I interrupted my first ever game of Forbidden Island to jump into my closet and record this podcast. What? (laughs) Really? Yes. I I almost feel like (laughs) you should go and play. No, we've got a schedule. We need to make this a habit. I did that little clicky thing again, so (laughs) (laughs) some things never change. Were you really about to play Forbidden Island? Oh, we were halfway through. I was. Uh, we just captured our first treasure, the Winged Lion. So it's it's sort of on standby until you finish. It is. Yeah. I ho- hopefully the waters won't rise while I'm not looking. Mm. <laughs> so. It is turn based, so I doubt it'll rise. <laughs> yes. It's good. No. So it's our like our first game. So mm-hmm. both of us we're just trying to figure out you know what the strategy is what's a good move what's a bad move let's quickly describe what forbidden island is like yeah let's do that um i'll try to do it in a a brief way okay so forbidden island is a co-op game um it is designed by matt leacock and it is a co-op game where the scenario is you're on this island uh, and the island is slowly sinking yes and you and a small team uh, are there that have special abilities and you have to try and find four treasures before leaving the island. Yep. That's sort of like the write-up for it. It's very cool. So like the mechanics are really nice. Um, I think giving each person sort of a random role. Um, yeah, because you each have special abilities um, mm-hmm. depending on what you are. I, I was the navigator. So did you just do uh, a player each or like did you do two people each? Oh, we just did a player each. Okay. I hadn't thought of doing it like uh, you being a multiple personality. Mm-hmm. So you can do that too. It is actually a little bit harder that way because then the island starts to sink a little bit quicker. But then you've got more people reclaiming treasures. Right. So I think we've got one treasure and it feels like the island's already like half sunk. So. <laughs> right. It's, it's very exciting. Um, it is definitely one of my favorite games. So let's speed this show along, and then I can go back to finishing the game. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right. This week, I've been listening to Carly Rae Jepsen, Emotion. This past few weeks, actually, I've been listening to Nigel Good. I was about to say the other name. <laughs> Simon Vex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Nigel Good, uh, and the album is called This Is Us. Yes. For recapping, mm-hmm. in case someone may have missed the hilarious first episode of the show, um, the we went through Spotify's uh, year in music, and we have been listening to each other's top albums from last year. So Nigel, good. Yeah, it was actually a lot more positive than I thought it would be. Um, very upbeat. His name is uh, good. So it is good. It's very positive. Um, and I actually liked it a lot. Uh, I I have been listening to it even after our mandatory sort of listen through. <laughs> I thought I, I initially thought, oh man, is this going to be some long house trancy thing mm. that I sort of I have, have plenty to... of those to give you if you want, but I right. suspect not. <laughs> but this is really good. Um, it uh, I found a pattern in like the first couple of songs, uh, and I just couldn't stop thinking about the pattern afterwards. It's uh, every eighth measure, he adds in a new element to like change up the beat a bit. Right. I think that's actually pretty really indi- is that- indicative of most like house music. Yeah, gotcha. Like, they are very strict. Like every eighth or sixteenth measure, 
something something will happen yeah <laughs> right um and i guess i don't i guess that means i don't really listen to house a lot but i thought i did actually but not i guess not according to my uh year in review mm. well it wasn't i liked in, it a lot yeah it wasn't in any of your top genres right all i had was <laughs> fucking pop <laughs> a lot of the sounds are very clean like a lot of the samples he uses a lot of the elements that he uses he has like a good range of nice organic soundy things versus like pure synthy things yeah yeah that's a good observation it's not very like dirty or gritty no but everything yeah all the samples are so clean and i sort of appreciated that it is very soundtracky and i do listen to a lot of soundtracks as well mm. um and it reminded me like a couple of soundtracks that i actually really liked from a couple of different movies mm. so it was nice and you know like the chords were nice and melty and a couple of them you know good like minor chords would melty sevens which i like (laughs) (laughs) gotta love a melty seven yes (laughs) (laughs) would listen again would listen again excellent i was listening to emotion by carly ray jepsen not as unpleasant as i thought it was gonna be i too enjoyed it after our mandatory listening period was over i didn't really listen to it again which is expected yeah i think for me the very 80s influence on the album started to grate a little bit after halfway through oh really it felt a little yeah it seemed like the impression i got was oh they just gone back and tried to do a song in every single 80s style they could think of like was more like a pastiche of the 80s rather than making something contemporary with 80s influence i guess yeah i wasn't super crazy about that I guess I've listened to a lot more 80s stuff recently, like on a regular basis, that I felt that in comparison, like her stuff does sound a little bit more contemporary than just like a direct. Yeah, I think you can definitely tell like, the production values nowadays are like miles mm-hmm. above what they had in the 80s, but it still felt. I, I wasn't like gripped by. I was like, oh, it's another 80s. Like, oh, they're using this 80s sound, or like, oh, they're using mm. this 80s idea. But that said, I did really like that song there's one song that starts with what i can only describe as a 80s bagpipe synthesizer um what i think it's the first song uh yeah it's Runaway. a saxophone oh, okay i was like right a bagpipe what's happening here <laughs> it does kind of sound like a bagpipe but yeah i think it is the synth saxophone sound oh the synth saxophone okay that got stuck in my head i had to listen to that a few times right so the song that i really like from nothing out here which is the album mm-hmm. by the way oh. not this is us this is us is a track from nothing out oh, here oh yeah right um was flight the second track mm, okay and funnily that is the one that had the most 80s influence oh is it <laughs> <laughs> sam were you a child of the 80s per chance i was <laughs> how can you tell <laughs> Um, yeah, it had like those, uh, there's this one moment where it has the roll of drums and it's just that like Bill Collins type drums. Right. Yeah. Like the sort of big smooshy drums, for lack Mm -hmm. of a better word. Synthy smooshy drums. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I like that. Yeah. But the whole album was, uh, very pleasant and I actually fell asleep with it, uh, (laughs) one night. Uh, is that is that a compliment? It it is. Okay. So I've been cleaning up my house 
for the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly my basement, trying to organize everything. Um, and also this room, which I'm recording. I should send you a picture because it's now a little bit more updated because I'm more serious about the show. Right. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> we should do a little before and after. And uh, I've been listening to the album while I was sort of like unpacking and sort of organizing and did wonders. It was great. Oh, nice. One last thing about Carly Rae Jepsen. Do you have anything? Yeah, I would say I was glad I listened to it. I will secretly listen to Run Away With Me in private mode. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't like the ballad track? That was actually one of my favorites because it was just, um, for lack of better words, it just hit the right notes for me. Yeah, I struggled with the lyrics as well. And that's not her oh. fault. I think that's just yeah. all pop music uh, by right. large. Um, I think that's my other problem is that I hardly listen to the lyrics. When I started listening to music, I didn't speak English. Mm. I never grew up really understanding the words. Like I knew, I knew like what they are, and I can like repeat them. Mm-hmm. But it never sort of registers until I really, really like a song, and I sort of read the lyrics. I'm like, what? Like that's what they're talking about? <laughs> yeah. Also, li- lyrics don't often like stick with me. Like mm-hmm. uh, I have friends who can like sing along to an entire song after hearing it once or twice and right. I can hear a song for five years and I still won't know the lyrics so <laughs> yeah but yeah Kylie Rae Jepsen good thank you for bringing her into my life uh, when she brings out her next album I will be listening and I tell you uh, I am going to secretly not secretly publicly listen to more of uh, Nigel Good I am now a fan I followed him on face on uh, Spotify amazing it is now official and don't you feel a little bit hipster because like he doesn't have a biography he only has like a few hundred followers yeah, he's... You're super underground uh, now, Sam. So, uh, based on that recommendation, I can actually recommend you two other artists that I've been listening to that kind of sound okay. on that same vibe that you might dig. Yeah. But those might be a little bit more popular, so you might not be as hipster anymore. <laughs> yeah, I will tell you, my my system is I will only listen to an artist if they don't have a biography on their artist page <laughs> in Spotify. <laughs> That's how I keep it. Like, oh, sorry, no, it yeah. that's <laughs> biography. So one is um, Porter Robinson. Oh, yeah. Yes, I'm familiar with his earlier work. Mm-hmm. Uh, his latest was... album is actually pretty good, too. Right, because he kind of started off very, um, not dubstep, but sort like of... Like hard big, techno. Yeah, like big room, trancey, housey stuff. Yeah. I think I saw him at the Roseland Ballroom a couple of years ago when the ball, Roseland Ballroom still existed. Um, oh. And that was great. And then, yeah, his second album, uh, whose name I'm blanking on right now. Worlds? Worlds, yeah. Yeah, it's like him growing up and kind of growing out of yep. that. Like, I really like it uh, when they sort of go in between beats or... It start off with what you think is like a 180 tempo, but it's actually like a 90 tempo beat. So, and I feel like Nigel Good had a lot of that in his in the album that you had me listen to. Another one is a artist that I just recently discovered through my Discover Weekly that I really like. His name is uh, Ryo Nakamura. Okay, I've not heard of him. So super super hipster indie guy. Um, and yeah, check him out. It's, he does a lot of remixes of like currently existing 
tracks, but his remixes actually sound better, in my opinion, than the original songs because he does put in like those melty chords and those nice transitions. And I think that's your job as a remixer, right? If I was a remixer, like I'd be like, right, I'm going to make this sound so much better than the original. Right. I hate it when I listen to a remix and all that makes me want to do is listen to the original track. Your job as a remixer has failed at that point. The other idea I had for another segment of the show is favorite podcast episode of the week. Ah, this is good. Yeah. So it's not necessarily that came out last week. It's that I've listened to in the last week because mm-hmm. uh, I've recently been listening to The Flop House. Have you heard of this podcast? No, I have not. Okay. Uh, this is quite a popular one. It's like often pretty much in like the most recommended uh, charts in Overcast. It's mm-hmm. three guys watch a movie they watch a bad movie and then talk about it so there's quite a few shows in that with that kind of setup um but the flop house is better i guess it's the fact the fact that they watch a bad movie is largely incidental to the conversation like it's just Mm -hmm. three very funny guys talking um and i listened to the 50 shades of gray episode oh that is a good and make fun of (laughs) yes and they yeah it's just it's just hilarious so i don't often listen to podcasts for comedy reasons this i make an exception for this is good it's cool. it's very hilarious um i would i would suggest adding it to your podcast catcher of choice the other good thing about overcast if we're going to carry on plugging overcast every show <laughs> is that you, you don't have to subscribe to a podcast which i really love just to get an episode yeah, which yeah. Because podcasts suffer a lot from like two things. Like one, just the difficulty. Like there is an inherent difficulty in subscribing and listening to a podcast. For example, for this show, you would either have to know the name of it or stumble across the website. Then you stumble across the website. You have to like copy the RSS link, go to your podcast, add a podcast, paste the the URL, and like mm-hmm. it's just such a high high barrier to entry. Yeah, you know that's like quite a significant action the steps of action you need to take especially for something you don't know you like Uh, and also like discovery is really difficult on with podcasts you know i feel like my dad could easily watch a youtube video yet if i told Mm -hmm. him to listen to an episode of this show he wouldn't know how to do that right Uh, yep so and so it solves that problem yeah it's just really nice that you can in fact even the the messaging in the ui is you know, once you're on a, on a podcast, it's subscribe or listen. Right. No pressure, which I love. Or yeah. just yes. one episode. Yeah, it even says yeah, no pressure awesome up that? there. Yeah. <laughs> so going back to, sorry, just yes. wrapping up Flophouse. Yes, um, Flophouse. And have you watched, did you watch Fifty Shades of Grey before? Listening no. Listening to this? That's the beauty. You don't actually need to watch any of these <laughs> as you watch the movie. Right, because that's a lot of pressure, right? So yeah, my podcast episode of the week is The Flophouse Presents uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. And that was from earlier this year, so that is not a recent episode. But Sam, what is your podcast episode of the week? Uh, my podcast of the week is going to be Reply All, because that's what I've been listening to as nice. I was cleaning the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Reply All has this great segment, or like this great part of the show where they do yes, yes, no. Could you set up? Uh, the show a little bit because I it's one of those things I know it's from Gimlet mm-hmm. I know I should be listening to it I think even in a previous episode I said I should I will listen to it but I haven't actually heard it yet mm-hmm. I know it's like a technology show but I'm not quite yep. sure of like what the what the setup is 
So they do it a lot like it's story based. So they usually fo- focus on like one subject per episode.、Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's two guys talking about stuff on the internet. I think their names are like PJ Vote and Alex Goldblum. Let me, Alex. Let's just say Alex. Okay.、Um, is, it, and, is it as tightly edited and produced as the other Gimlet shows, or is it more like just a talk show? No, it's, it's a lot like the other Gimlet shows, meaning there's、okay. a lot of production that goes into it. Right.、Um, and it's really centered around telling this one story about either an app or like an encounter that happened on the internet, which is great. But the episode that I'm talking about sort of moves away from that and they talk about the main guy at Gimlet. And I think his, Al- his name is Alex Bloomberg.、Mm-hmm. Yes, I believe that's correct. He did the startup podcast. So they、yeah. bring him in and they chat with him about. Something that he's confused,、um, that he doesn't understand regarding the internet. And they're usually like tweets.、Uh, okay. And Alex will come in, Alex Bloomberg will come in with a tweet that he doesn't understand and read it out loud. Oh, that's、and、amazing. Then, that's such a good idea. <laughs> and so、um, the two other guys will explain it to him or like make him understand it rather than just straight out explaining it to him. Right. And so it's great. And so the subject, the, The segment is called Yes, Yes, No, because they go after he talks about the tweet,、mm-hmm. they'll go around and go, like, Alex, do you get it? Like, yes. And then PJ, do you get it? Like, yes. And Alex Bloomberg, do you get it? It's like, no. <laughs> and so, whenever they do these episodes, it's really fun.、Uh, so, definitely check it out. That was, I think, a week before or like two weeks before.、Okay. This week's episode was like a, a year ender, and they do updates on like some of the previous shows that they've done. And that's also actually a really good episode. Okay.、Um, but it is a higher barrier to entry because it sort of takes into consideration that you heard、yeah. some of the previous episodes that they mentioned. Yeah. This makes a lot more sense. There's actually one that you should listen to、um, that's really good. And it's really the reason why I started listening to them was to get to this episode. Mm. Um, the episode is called Reply All Exploder.、Mm. And oh, is that like go... a crossover with Song、mm-hmm. Exploder? Nice. Yes. And so they have a really cool theme song that they use for Reply All.、Uh-huh. Cooler than and... ours?、Mm, just as cool, I would <laughs> okay, say.、Good. Ours is pretty cool. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Good save. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was asking for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Yeah, when you, hear, when you hear this episode, it's really great, but you sort of need to know the people that's involved in order to really get it. So、mm, okay. I can give you a select list of episodes that you should listen to. Yeah.、Um, to sort of start you off, because it does take a little bit in the beginning to sort of get there, for them to get their legs. Yeah, right. A little bit like us, perhaps. <laughs> yes, exactly. It gives me hope. This is actually my second podcast, I have to, I have to admit. My first podcast was a failed attempt at me podcasting. Oh, oh, I didn't know this. I'll tell、yeah. me more. Is this, this is probably、available? like,、mm, probably not. Because、um, I forget that podcasting has been around for quite some time. Yeah. It seems like I've probably only been into it for like three or four years. This must have been like 2006, 2007. Ah, that's, yeah, that's pretty early in like the podcasting、mm-hmm. days. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know you were like a podcasting professional. You're so experienced. I've been around the block, baby. <laughs> <Yeah> . So, <laughs> and I remember like when podcasting first started getting out, everyone was using sort of like a Mac、mm-hmm. and they would 
you were able to embed images during the podcast. Oh. So that oh. if you were talking about something, Garage,、yeah. I think like GarageBand had this feature where you can actually embed images in the podcast. And、right. as you're listening to it, you can't do that、uh, anymore. I haven't seen that. You can't, yeah. That's so strange. I don't think、It's、you、like、can do that、backwards. anymore. Yeah. Right. And so that was one of the reasons why you wanted to keep it within iTunes so that you can have these embedded images. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Like that's, I kind of, I think I remember that now、mm-hmm. that you mention it. And I've not seen that since. Hmm. That seems like another mystery I will have to investigate. That seems like an opportunity for someone like either Spotify or Overcast. Yeah. I know that Overcast、See. has recently added chapter support. Right. So you can. So on some podcasts, you will see that you can like skip to chapters, like kind of like a DVD. But that doesn't change the image or the,、uh, the artwork at all. So, yeah. yeah I think、anyway. anything that gives you reason to like not go to a browser or anything to get more insight into like what people are talking about is a good idea. Yeah. Like, I like what they've done in iOS 9 with、uh, like Safari view controller where you can just pop into a,、uh, a browser and then get、mm-hmm. back. But even so, yeah, that's still like a tap and a,、uh, a tap to go back. Yeah, it kind of sucks. So, if you were making a podcast in 2007, then you must have been listening and knowing what they were before that. Yeah, for sure. Do you remember like, the it, first podcast you listened to? Yes, it is the Carly Rae Jepsen、um, podcast. God, I wish. <laughs> if only Carly Rae Jepsen, but I, I suspect Carly Rae Jepsen might have been in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. In 2006. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it was actually the Ricky Gervais. Podcast. Ah, yeah. Yeah, that was absolutely huge, wasn't it?、Mm-hmm. That was a serial of its time. What was your failed podcast? Oh, wow. It was a podcast about uh, uh, J pop and K pop. Again, once again, pop. But really, <laughs>、right. I listened to more music other than pop. Uh huh. Okay. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a podcast about.、Um, and I, it's probably illegal because I just full on played the entire tracks and、right. then. Talked about them in between. Do you still have the ep- episodes around? I will、right. see if I can find them. It might still be on like my MySpace page. My domain somewhere. No, I had I had my domain, my own.com. Yeah, I think I would have done as well. Yeah, okay. That's not. It's strange that like that occupies a part of my mind that if I think about it quickly, it's not very long ago. But then when I think about it more, I realize, oh shit, that is quite a long time ago. Right. You know? That's almost 10 years ago. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. Jesus. My first podcast that I remember was the Ruby Rogues, and that was, that must have been 2010, I think. What was it about? That's a good question. So, the Ruby Rogues was a software engineering、um, podcast, ostensibly about the Ruby programming language, but actually、mm-hmm. it was just, it was only incidentally or coincidentally about Ruby. Like, it was more about the larger soft, software engineering topics. And I totally fell in love with it. Like, it was. A little bit ramshackle. It was like the best podcast. It felt like you were just at a table with a few of your friends. You knew you were just listening to a really interesting conversation. It's just that you、mm. weren't participating in it. Yeah, that was like at a point in my career when I was like really, well, I guess I still am, but certainly trying to get better at and like thinking more critically and more in depth about sort of software engineering and like the processes behind it and the ideas. 
and methodologies and pretty much every week they would talk about something that I was like oh yeah that is really interesting I had never really thought about it and even though I wasn't actually writing Ruby at the time I mm-hmm. think that was 2010 I would have been uh, PHP uh, for me but yeah I love that show it's still going it's kind of gone through many permutations and like it's kind of like a panel show so you'd have like mm-hmm. uh, there's one guy uh, Chuck Chuck Wood what's that his name is that really his name? No, that cannot be his name. Now that you mentioned it, uh, Charles Maxwood. Holy shit, that's even better. <laughs> is this still, so? He's still moderating. He is still he's still moderating. Yeah, um, and then they had a lot of like the guests early on. Yeah, no, Charles Maxwood. Damn. Yep, that's the name. Okay. Um, so yeah, they're on to like two hundred and forty episodes now. Uh, I remember that's either it, like a. Uh, a pretty good spy name or like a really good porn name but yeah so this was yeah i was listening when the episodes were in like double digits and now he's gone on to make a whole bunch of um other shows sort of around programming so he's got like a javascript show um an ios show and a bunch of other things so oh wow it was interesting but yeah it was always it was interesting because the host he was like the foil, you know, like he, he was mm-hmm. never the, like the smartest. Well, mm, that's unfair. But you know, he was never like, <laughs> he was always the person who would like ask the questions and you would feel like, oh, I'm him. And he would get like the crazy, super smart people to explain their ideas in layman's terms. Yeah, that was a great show. I haven't listened to it in a while. Are you still subscribed to them? I am. Yeah. Overcast does a nice thing where you can set the maximum number of episodes so they don't just like build up. <laughs> So I right. think it's set to three right now. Um, I keep, yeah, I, I look at the titles and occasionally delve in. But um, how can how can we get Overcast to start paying us for this? Right, <laughs> do a referral <laughs> link. Well, it's just one guy who writes it, so right. We can perhaps talk to him. <laughs> who happened to be on the uh, the startup podcast with Alex Bloomberg? He did. Yes. Yeah, I think he's doing all right. He probably doesn't need our help, right? Well, I'm saying I'm saying we need his help. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about Star Wars, because, you know, three for three. <laughs> let's right. Add Star Wars back in. Um, it's been a week. It's been a We've week. had some time to sort of digest our feelings regarding yeah. Star Wars. So I've been thinking about post-spoilers. I'm trying to think of a better name for it, but I've listened to like two or three podcasts about Star Wars, and I've read mm-hmm. a few reviews and stuff. I now think that I like it less than I did last week, just based on people critiquing it and pointing out things and that has taken away from my enjoyment of it so in a way i'm now thinking man i should just not read any reviews even after i've seen the show Mm. have your feelings changed from seeing it and have you like read reviews or listened to other shows talking about it it's really interesting because i think generally the way that i read reviews and this is sort of self-centered but Surprise me. I usually yeah, I <laughs> usually read reviews to sort of confirm my feelings about the subject. Mm. And if it's not sort of aligned, like I kind of I don't like ignore it. Like I acknowledge it, but I let it sort of pass through. Mm. I guess I don't dwell on it. It affects my opinions on it for the most part, especially if I really like something. I tend to have the same sort of enjoyment on something when I initially enjoyed it, unless it's like I'm completely misinformed as to like what the subject was about. Right. So have you have you read reviews and or listened to shows about about Star Wars? I haven't listened to shows, but I have read reviews. 
Um, mm. And for the most part, when I, whenever the reviews of Star Wars just start to get really detailed and nitpicky about everything, mm-hmm. uh, I just sort of roll my eyes and just go, oh, and then like I kind of stop reading. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think I'm going to implement a, a post-spoiler policy for the next Star Wars films where I don't consume any reviews after the show, after I've seen the film. But what was it about it, the the review or something that you read that? Well, it's just people pointing like out things that I didn't notice or people just complaining about things and, and me going, oh, well, yeah, you're kind of right about that. Oh, mm. Yeah, you know. Um, but think about that feeling of joy that you had when you watched it. Should right. return to that? Yes. Well, yeah, but, then, but now I'm like, <laughs> oh... But then there's that stupid bit where this doesn't make sense, or then there's this weird thing which I didn't like, <laughs> right? Or someone else didn't like, and then now I'm gonna fixate on it. So there's one part that sort of made me scratch my head after I watched it, and sort of like I was digesting it and sort of reflecting mm-hmm. on the events of the movie, and it has to do with uh, Captain Phasma. What the hell is Captain Phasma? Captain Phasma is um, the silver stormtrooper. Oh, okay, yeah, the woman. The badass. Yeah, the supposed badass, who is trained so hard all her life that she is now the captain of all the stormtroopers, even has a special uh, silver stormtrooper outfit right. and a cape yeah, <laughs> to go along with it. Nice, and she's, like so she's the badass. one that Finn flips out at. Right, and yeah. she's the one that's just like, oh, you lower your shield. She's like, no, it's like, you better lower your shields. And she's like, okay. And so that made me go, wait, this is like a highly trained military official that has gone up the ranks Mm -hmm. and something that just didn't add up. I don't know why. Like that part was a little, but doesn't, doesn't take away from my enjoyment. People have mentioned like the scene on the Millennium Falcon with the Rancors, what are they called? The Ranarchs, Mm -hmm. the Rancoroos, whatever they are. Squid monsters. Yeah. And like, oh yeah, that is kind of stupid. Just a bit like what that's a little strange why is this scene here i was reading an interesting article that do you think all stormtroopers are black no hmm. that is I interesting do not isn't think it so. yeah but if they are then force awakens feels like well, this article was arguing that if they are if stormtroopers are all black then this is sort of like the first like black lives matter sci-fi blockbuster sh- movie which I thought was an interesting idea. It is interesting. Yeah. Like, I also got into thinking, like, why he was sort of, quote unquote, awakened at that moment, as opposed to the others. Lots of questions. So a lot of times, whenever I read these things, I feel like either the, the writer speculates a lot. Mm-hmm. So um, it's sort of like one of those scientific posts that you find on Facebook that yeah. say, oh, the radiation is going to kill you. And it's just like the stupid map. It's all drawn from speculation. Oh, so I, I, I shared a link with you, uh, written by Alfie Grimm, who was an original panelist on the Ruby Rogues podcast. Mm. Ah, Worlds Collide, where he wrote that the Star Wars is this new Star Wars is the dad rock of movies. <laughs> Which <laughs> Oh man, like I kind of I was like, Oh man, maybe he's right as well. Like it is is it all just like hearkening back to uh, old rock? Is it just is it Led Zeppelin reforming and playing all their old songs and everyone going mad? But what's wrong with that? As a speaking as a dad. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I just tightened up my my tucked in 
cargo <laughs> pants yeah. with my Rockers. white sneakers yeah. and my Dockers. He's he's obviously saying like dead rock is a sort of negative thing, right? Yeah, I suppose it would be like it's a derivative, mm-hmm. uh, feel good, something based on nostalgia rather than new art. Mm. I think this is a case where like negative aspects of reviews are usually grabs a lot more attention than like positive ones. True. Yeah. There's uh there's a recent there's a not recent, but there's an interesting study where like if you say something negative about a subject, it makes you sound a lot smarter uh, rather than you saying something yeah. positive about it. Like the contrary the contrary opinion makes people think like, oh, he's got something to say about this. Mm. Whereas you can be just as intelligent and say positive things about it and people uh notice less. Yes. Like it is controversial in saying like, oh yeah, this is dead rock. This is um is derivative this is a repeat it's a fad i give it more weight because he's someone i respect and mm. have been like following since 2010 and have seen speaker conferences and right someone i think oh yeah he's a really good thinker and like he has good thoughts about things but i'm, I'm gonna see it again so you know that's money in the bank for disney so you're still seeing it again oh yes yeah i'm but now i'm really interested to find out if Mm. What I think the post-spoilers have been is going to affect my enjoyment, and I'm going to be sitting there going, oh, yeah, well, they're sucking out all the energy from a sun, what? They're calling mm-hmm. it a sun as well, they should have called it a star, or like, you know, all these little nitpicky things, you know, like they can just look up into the sky and see a planet being destroyed that's mm. in another solar system, and like complaints that, you know, J.J. Abrams has made space feel really small instead of... Huge and vast, and people just go like, "Oh, we need to go here." Boom! Oh, we're here. So I feel I've been thinking that I feel sorry for George Lucas because he spent what twelve years of his life making the prequels, got nothing but grief for the best part of a decade. <laughs> then he sells sells off his life's work. Some whippersnapper comes along, makes a movie. Everyone goes crazy for it and thinks it's amazing, and is all like, "Oh, thank God, we're back to the original Star Wars." See, here's... Like, isn't that just oh man i think i just think about that how that must feel and i'm like oh man that might just must just cut you inside like a lightsaber i don't think so because i think uh he still takes a lot of credit for the original genius quote-unquote genius that was the star wars franchise if it wasn't for that none of this would be in existence and i think there's a lot of weight of that being created like that initial spark and it actually happening was sort yeah. of like all him Mm-hmm. And so I think, for me, even though he sort of botched up the first few episodes, there's still tons of fans that still love it, mm-hmm. despite the prequels. Oh, I'm talking about the prequels. There's yeah. still tons of people that still love the prequels. Um, yeah, they like they're still within like the top top 100 grossing movies of all time. And speaking of gross, <laughs> um, the dude is mad rich. He sort of invented the concept of merchandising for movies, and so. Everything that he's made through the Star Wars franchise. And like he got all the licenses for the merchandising, right? Right. Not only that, like all of his properties, like Industrial Light and Magic, Skywalker Sound, all that stuff is all George Lucas. Yeah, you're right. A lot of people are saying like, thank goodness this was made because now we can forget (laughs) about the first three. Right. They're like, thank God George Lucas isn't involved. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's your life's work. And people are just going, oh, this is shit. So I think he thinks they're good. Like he thinks Mm. the prequels are good. Yeah, yeah. Which is almost worse somehow, you know? <laughs> like, if you went, oh, yeah, you know what, guys? I just got I just got totally enamored with the idea of, right. of the computer, the power of being able to yep. computer generate the things, and I got totally swept up in that, and 
you know, I forgot about story. I really should have written this with yes. a co-writer or someone who actually knows how to write. Totally forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> like, then you'd be like, okay. But no, he thinks they're good. Like, he's gone yeah. like, I poured my heart and soul into this. And all I get is grief. Did you read that article about him sort of approving J.J. Abrams' version? I I think I was like, aware that he did, but I don't, I don't know any more in depth than that. Right, so... I didn't read the full article, but it seemed like he was sort of like gave his stamp of approval after he watched like the final cut. Uh, was it was it was it like a grudging seven. approval? Like that's what it made it done, seem but, like, right? Yeah. But for the most, but generally, it, it it was acceptable. I will accept. He this said as it canon. was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Something to that point where he's like, "Uh, I guess it's entertaining." Okay, you know, <laughs> like. And I, I think I should also temper my comments by saying I've not seen all of the prequels and I've only seen like the first two like once each and that was a very long time ago. So mm. perhaps I should sit down and watch the prequels and then perhaps oh, and then wow. I should see if I still feel sorry for George Lucas or not. How many previews do you think went by before the movie actually started? You know what? I I think I lost count. Um, if I had to guess, I think it'd be between eight, eight and ten. I think. Yeah, I want to say like 10 to 12. Almost. Oh, wow. There's a disgusting amount. It was and a lot. yeah. So, you know my policy on like spoilers and previews, right? And trailers. Oh, that is tricky. That must be very difficult for you. Right. Because you want There's to get some... into the theater and get mm-hmm. a good seat and get... Do you get pre-seating anxiety? Or is that just me? That's not really a me- uh, recognized medical condition. I do get pre-seating anxiety. Um, but then at the same time, you get spoiler anxiety from the trailers i i have several issues with the movie theaters this is why this is partially the reason why it's so rare for me to go to the theaters one Mm. is a preceding anxiety which i do share with you okay the other is at the same time like i do need i do like having snacks (laughs) right right you want to pay but at the same time popcorn yeah i don't think there's been a movie in the past five years where i had to get up to pee this is why I hate going to theaters because like I can't like pause the movie yeah. to like go to the restroom. This is why we need to instantiate uh, intermission for movie, and the movies are like two and a half hours long, and you're drinking that sodas, right? Yeah, like from a bucket the size of your head. Exactly. Lots of issues, right? right. Um, this is why I buy my movies on like Amazon. Yeah, and just, just watch it at home. Yeah, for the same price as like ten large popcorns, you can buy yourself a pretty decent surround sound. Exactly. But yeah, so the previews, there there are probably about 10, some of which I was really interested in, like um, the Civil War stuff. Oh, I don't think I saw that one. Captain America Civil War. Oh, Captain America. Yes, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I had to close my eyes and hum into my ears so that I wouldn't hear anything. So I was able to pass that. um, But I gave my chance at a couple of other um, previews, in particular the, the Batman and Superman one. Which I watched because I don't really give a shit about that movie. Yeah, me neither. I uh, I don't think we had a trailer for that. It's awful. In our showing, they they pretty much just showed the entire movie. I really wish. I mean, the thing is, I I want DC to be good so that Marvel has like a rival and feels like you know, yeah. oh shit, we've got to keep on top of our game. Yeah, they need to do something. What do you think it is about DC and like that organization that makes um like uncompelling movies, like? They've also struggled like with their TV. Yeah, I don't think it's the material. With their, their TV properties as well. Like, 
mm-hmm. I watched I quite enjoyed the first season of Gotham but I stopped watching the second after three ep- three or four episodes like the second season of Gotham just lost all interest and became really violent and had huh. no plot and I was you know like after the fourth episode I was sitting there watching this and going this is just unpleasant like this isn't entertaining at all I felt that way about Arrow I think like what Marvel have done of just creating the the cinematic universe is just so compelling and they've I don't know if there's if like the responsibility for a storyline falls onto one guy or if they've got a committee mm. or what but they just are better at telling compelling stories and drawing you in like I was I finished Jessica Jones having Rosario Dawson pop up the end was like amazing like right. oh shit amazing if you've watched Daredevil then you're like yep. oh fuck you know Speaking of anxiety, yeah. though, sorry to sidetrack, but mm-hmm. for the no, time that ahead. Rosario Dawson was in that apartment, I kept thinking, yeah. like, don't you have to be back at work? Like, how come you're not going back? <laughs> you're going to get fired. Yeah, I was genuinely <laughs> concerned for the safety of her job. Yeah, you can't just, can't just leave the ER like that. Can't. Especially at the last yeah. bit where I think Malcolm comes back in and then he's like, oh, I can watch. And if you want to take a break, you can take a nap. And I was like, <laughs> right. take a nap. a nap. She doesn't go back to work. <laughs> you got to go back to work. So the very day I switched to TweetDeck, the Mac client gets updated and they can now show inline tweets and sub tweets. Well, the benefit of this is that whatever changes occur for Twitter, it's going to occur on TweetDeck as well. Because Twitter have bought TweetDeck. Yes. And that was news years ago. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, they've now got, so yeah, the Twitter client now has yeah inline tweets, inline GIFs, and all the normal stuff that you'd expect from TweetDeck. I was just reading that uh, it seems like an external agency made the new Mac Twitter client, mm. um, which isn't particularly surprising, but it's just interesting, like an interesting glimpse into Twitter. And I think there was some anecdotal evidence that there was just one guy in Twitter working on the Mac client. Wow. Which seems crazy. That seems crazy. Right. Where do you think a lot of the focus on like the development? I think it's probably on mobile and perhaps the website like perhaps they have the inverse uh usage pattern that spotify the spotify does so people use the website a lot more than the native clients right so yeah my guess would be that they put all their focus on the web experience and and the mobile experience so yeah i use TweetDeck. i i can't decide if i like the columns or not like, oh it's it does get a little bit busy yeah like especially i think the default is for like all notifications mm. so any like anytime a friend follows someone else or someone you follow follows someone else you get a notification about that and like there's this massive cascading waterfall of noise right. so i think like, the first time i opened it you get like four columns and i'm like oh my gosh yeah Too that's much. a bit ridiculous um, um a good thing that it does is you can actually assign a column to one of your lists so you know I, what, have, I never really used Twitter lists. Yeah, it makes complete sense in TweetDeck, but it doesn't actually on like Twitter proper because there's no easy way of getting to it. Even on the mobile app, like there's really it's really difficult to like mm. look at your lists in a consistent way or like easily switching from like the main view to your lists. So with TweetDeck, it makes a lot of sense. Like I have um, I have a list for just board games and like a list for designers. These are people that I don't necessarily follow, but I can add them to the lists. Oh, that's interesting. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's very cool. But it's a lot of maintenance. But actually after... Maintenance, yeah. Yeah, after that initial maintenance is done, it's pretty smooth. Also, I'm thinking about... I kind of want less information rather than Mm. more. 
in general in my life so maybe dialing back and not creating a whole new world of lists and right. tweet deck columns might be more my thing but i like the i, I like uh the fact that i'm now i've now got my personal account and i've got the is this the show fm account it's kind of nice that i can yep. have columns for each of those and manage those individually mm-hmm. but i don't like that it's a website you don't like it i no. which is strange because i don't have that problem with gmail yep I think what I like about the Mac Twitter client is that I can close it. Mm. That doesn't really make sense, but <laughs> you can close I can it close down. it and it's just gone. And I can then like, oh, while well, I'm waiting for Xcode to compile, open the Twitter clients, check it out, close it again, and it's kind of gone. Whereas if it's a, now in a tab, I think Gmail's okay because I just make Gmail like a pinned tab because yep. like, I always want it there. Whereas I don't want to quite commit to always having twitter as a pin tab right i actually just have it as a bookmark yeah perhaps i just bookmark it i bookmark and then um it actually pops up very quickly i like it though i think i've i'm going to move to tweet deck for for the next little while especially as we try and be a bit more so well especially as i try and be a little bit more social media savvy and try and like uh get our is this the show twitter accounts kind of up and running and being a bit more lively but now i have this problem of do i tweet things from my personal account or do i tweet things from the is this the show account yep i think once the show starts getting a little bit more personality we'll probably <laughs> start to tweet from it like exclusively with its own voice other than that yep. like during this initial phase of the birth of is this the show right i have yes. no problem of um sort of sharing a voice as it comes screaming and kicking into the world <laughs> yeah <laughs> haven't even cut the umbilical cord yet uh i tweeted my most popular tweet as well this is big news this is the new thing for me what is your most is popular getting tweet? a little bit of a uh, little bit of exposure to the viralness of the internet i think you you liked it sam it was new cologne scent idea freshly opened board game wait i didn't like that oh well then in case i'm, I'm offended <laughs> i would definitely like that <laughs> right okay uh perhaps i just assumed i something you would have liked that maybe you didn't in the end but that got now for people who actually have popular active twitter accounts this these numbers are hilariously tiny but for me i was like oh uh i got 38 retweets and 80 likes on that tweet or hearts or stars yeah wow that's actually a lot right especially for someone like i how many followers do i have probably like three or four hundred like not oh no 280 boom i just retweeted it Oh, there you go. 39 retweets. Cologne and board games is the key to a good viral tweet. But I think like some of my other tweets have been more hilarious, yet have not got any kind of <laughs> any kind of traction whatsoever. Dude, that's the thing. That's the thing about Twitter is like, I, I feel like if you work on it, unless you're like a really good Twitter, tweeter. Yeah. Um, unless you really work on it, it's not going to get picked up. But sometimes the things that do get picked up is like, the ones that you're just typing out um, in like 10 seconds. Well, there's, do you follow a Twitter account, uh, Swift on Security? I do not. Oh, okay, yes, you're a normal person. But yeah, this <laughs> is a Twitter account that has the like persona of Taylor Swift, but talking about uh, information security. That sounds amazing. Uh, I'm going to follow DevOps. him or her right yeah, now. Yeah, like that person is so fucking good at Twitter. Like, yeah, they just have great tweets. I need to... I perhaps should study their Twitter, their tweets more, and figure out how they're so good at it. 
But look, look at this. Look, for example, this great tweet, August 15th. Fear of the grocery store clerk knowing what you're having for dinner. That's my tweet. Anything else? Isn't that, not, isn't that a great tweet? I got nothing from that. <laughs> How about another one? Another one of my tweets. Om nom nomlet. <laughs> God damn it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for that tweet right now and I'm going to retweet it. <laughs> August 12th. Bucolic does not equal bubonic. <laughs> this is all gold. Have you caught up on cereal? I actually have not. I decided not to. What? At all? Is this a permanent thing? <laughs> well, I, I think I've decided just to listen to it when I listen to it. And how is that different from your previous strategy? Um, well, also, I'm, I'm currently on vacation, so not much commuting time for me. And usually I listen to podcasts while I'm commuting because I haven't had a need to commute. I haven't really pushed myself to sort of listen to anything uh, besides today right. when I was like really cleaning up stuff. Um, and also like going back on, you know, some of the, the things that we spoke about in regards to cereal, um, mm-hmm. the fact that it was really interesting and not really gripping. Like, I think that sort of like sealed the deal and saying like, OK, like I'll just listen to it when I get to it. But it's not like because it's not so gripping and it's not like uh, I, I need to know like what happened. Um, I can sort of take my time with it. I feel like I can be less rushed about it. This last episode, episode three, is kind of when we learn about his capture and his treatment by the Taliban. Mm-hmm. and that was really unpleasant and that and mm. i was like there's certain segments where i was just listening to going this is just this is just unpleasant like i'm not enjoying listening to this and like right. i understand you have they have to put definitely touch on these subjects but yeah i i was like this is i'm not enjoying listening to this yep i'm not sure i want to listen to more of this but i will of course because you know i don't I want to find mm-hmm. out i think i'll get to it eventually as well well the thing is i don't i don't even, I don't even know what i want to find out yeah, I think that's what I'm struggling with with this season is I don't know what I want to find out. Right. I think that's also the point that it's like not as gripping for me. It's like, OK, I can listen to this and like sort of find out about the situation. But what is it? Yeah, you're right. There is a confusing thing of what I want to get from this. Um, whereas like the first season of Serial, what everyone wanted to get from it was did this person actually kill this person? Yeah. And it's interesting because you never actually got an mm, answer. Right. So let me tell you about something new that I did. Please do. So uh, I got a new pillow. Um, isn't that exciting? Oh, tell me more. Is it? Tell me about this. I do, I do like a good pillow. I have issues with various pillows. I would say given the past okay. 10 years, I probably went through about eight pillows. And I feel like I've had them all. Like I've had the normal feather pillows, the mm-hmm. the nylon sort of um right the fake feather. the fake feather pillows fake down yep mm. to the tempurpedic memory foam are you a side sleeper or a front or a back sleeper i'm a back sleeper um but i also like the the pillows to have very little support and be kind of shallow and i feel like a lot of people like them really fluffy and like mm. huge to yeah. a point where you're like you're kind of lifted off the bed <laughs> Either that or, like, they stack up two or three pillows so that it almost reaches, like, their upper back or, like, the middle of their back. And so so a point, like, where you can actually read on the pillows and just fall asleep that way, which sort of defeats the purpose of the bed. Why not just get a slopey bed? Exactly. Which they have if you watch late night American infomercials. (laughs) Yes, you can have, like, the automatic ones that, like, lean you up. Lean you up. I would love that. Lift up your legs. (laughs) Yes. I think they are aimed at uh, slightly older 
uh, right. target demographic, but uh, I would totally get one of those. <laughs> so, um, and I've had them all. So I've had like the, the buckwheat pillow. And you could eat it for breakfast as well. Not really. These are just the husks. I guess if you're really hungry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. What was the last pillow you had? The Korean version of the buckwheat pillow, which is uh, American style pillows are sort of like in a what you would call a pillow shape, like mm-hmm. a rectangle that's been puffed up. Right. Right. Yeah. Korean pillows are the t- traditional Korean pillows are like uh, cylinders. So you lie on like the lengthwise of a cylinder. So would the cylinder like go on the side of your head or like un- or underneath your neck? It would be just underneath your neck. So where that empty space is, so it like supports you. Yeah. If you're, okay. And I think that's actually the one that I like the most. Mm. Um, but now uh, I think I've lost that pillow. Did you have a dream that you were eating a giant marshmallow and suddenly <laughs> the pillow was gone? It was a it was a disgusting marshmallow that tasted like husk. <laughs> right. Uh, so the latest one that I have is, um, and I heard this because I was listening to, occasionally I listen to the Tim Ferriss podcast. Do you know who Tim Ferriss is? Uh, interestingly enough, I encountered him today. What? When I was pre- preparing for our book club. Um, oh, right. But... Not like personally, but like... Oh, <laughs> right. No, I didn't just <laughs> run into him in Starbucks, no. But he's sort of like a life guru type. He's, uh, he's um, like... Did, a... did he do the four-hour work week? He did. He did the four-hour work week. He did the four-hour body. <laughs> he does have a pattern. Four-hour workout. Yeah. He also <laughs> did four-hour chef, which is... Um, that's not a joke. Like, he actually has a book called oh. Four-Hour Chef. Um, but yeah, all around, like, I think he's a really interesting guy. He finds a lot of really neat hacks. Um, and he sort of self-experiments to, like, get results, which is also interesting. Um, but he also borders on that, like, realm of being, like, a super bro. But he's also, I feel like he's also has really good things to say because he's also pretty intelligent. There are times where I, I really like listening to his advice and other times where I just think he's he got too broed out and I can't stand it. On one of his podcasts, he was talking to Noel Kagan, who is, I think, one of the initial like 30 Facebook employees. There's this really interesting thing like where in this podcast, like he talks about like what people do to sort of. Um, perform the best and so a lot of tips you know like oh i use this app to like make meetings i use this app to like you know wake up in the morning and all that sort of stuff which is super interesting but noel's thing which i thought was really cool is um he likes to make hacks that solve the problems on the top of the funnel Uh, and what i mean by that is like let's say um i want to be really efficient at um, doing my tasks right that's sort of like what your goal is Mm-hmm. A lot of times yeah. people will feel like, oh, the solution to that is get an app that manages your tasks the best as possible. And what Noel tries to do is he he goes, well, if you want to do your tasks better, you probably need to be energetic. So if you are if you want to be energetic, you want to get a good night's sleep, right? So those are solving the problems at the top of the funnel. I see what you're saying, yep. And so I, f- I found that to be like very uh, insightful, like trying to solve problems at the top of the funnel. Like if you want to get a good night's sleep, like you should probably not drink coffee. Right. But fuck that. I I love coffee. Like I can't, I can't not drink coffee. Right. One of the other hacks was, you know, you're, if you want a good night's sleep, you got to get like the best bed as possible and you got to get the best pillow as possible. Um, and he recommended this pillow, which is called my pillow and it fucking sucks. Oh no. I was so hoping for a happy, happy ending. 
Yeah, it's it's a horrible pillow. I don't understand like how this pillow could be good. Um, it's what's called a shredded memory foam, and it looks like the cheesiest mm. sight ever. It's like this dude. Wow. Oh, look at that happy man with a mustache. <laughs> yeah, he's the guy that invented the my pillow. Is the pillow filled with his beard trimmings? <laughs> you would imagine that's what it feels like, but it's actually like cubes of memory foam, but you can mm. feel each cube. Oh, that's strange. Yeah, and it doesn't feel nice. Uh, and it's hot, so it doesn't oh, like... That's the worst thing ever. This sounds right. awful. So I'm getting my pillow exchanged, and I will give you an update next week because I'll be getting my new pillow tomorrow. Nice. So, yeah, right now, um, I'll give you a little pillow update for my, of my own. Uh, right now, I'm sleeping on, like, $15 IKEA memory foam pillows, and they are fantastic. I really like See, them. I was at IKEA yesterday, and I was considering it. And... Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, I actually have a combination of both. So I have right. a feather pillow on the bottom, and then I have the memory foam, this, like, cheap-ass um, IKEA ones uh, on top. Because mm. the IKEA ones are nice, because they've got, like, a, either, like, a lot of neck support on one end side, or mm-hmm. less neck support, and you just rotate. And they're, like, I like quite a lot of neck support, so I use that side. Um, yeah. I'll see if I can find a link to it. Yeah, IKEA probably still sell them. But, yeah, they were super cheap. They were, like, yeah, 15, 15 20 bucks. Yeah, that is my pillow recommendation for for today. I've also done something new in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> and that is... That's not funny at all. Uh, that is learning to... I folded my first fitted sheet. Oh, like properly? Like properly, yeah. Normally I just like shove them into like a ball, chuck into the back of the closet. But did you watch time, a YouTube video to do this? I did. I did. <laughs> yes. This is amazing. You like fold... You kind of tuck the corners into each other so you get like two pockets right and then tuck each corner into each other then you tuck all four corners into each other and then that magically gives you like a square ish kind of size uh, shape and then you can just fold it normally do you feel like the time that you spent on it is worth the result this is my first attempt so it's <laughs> uh, you know it's, it's it's acceptable it's a lot better than what I would do previously right what does it save you it saves me chastise, chastising from my significant other <laughs> who loves to fold things. I've mm. changed the way I fold my t-shirts. Right. Now. Do you do that ninja fold? Oh, I don't. No, 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 no. No, this is this is the J Crew fold. Oh, wait. Um, I want to know that. Which is well, no, there's not nothing special about it, but it's the you get the t-shirt and you fold it lengthways in 3 and then up. You know, it's not nothing crazy mm. about that. Okay. Uh, it's not the ninja fold. We should do a link to that because I've seen that YouTube video. Yep. Where you like pinch it a third of the way down and then yep. hold the bottom and then swing it around something. Yeah. Right. I've done it a couple of times and it really does save time and actually makes it neat. But the thing is like I always forget which points to pinch and which points to like do it. So I end up not doing it. Let's talk about books. Yeah, let's talk about books. I've managed to fold two things into one. <laughs> Not just a fitted sheet, but I've managed to fold um, <laughs> the book club also into writing a new blog post. I wrote my review as a blog post of uh, the book that I've been reading for the last few weeks, and that was The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. Doug? Doug? Doug. Doug. Cool. I actually Doug. read that book this year as well. 
Oh, nice. Oh, I didn't know you'd read it as well. So if you haven't read it, um, as Sam was saying, it is is basically a collection of case studies about how uh, like the understanding of habits has been used in the business world to like create successful products. So the blog post kind of goes into summarizing the book, which I won't do here because uh, you can read it on the on the web. I'll put a link to this in the show notes. But my idea is I'm going to try and write like summaries and reviews of all the books I read this year as a way to become like a more thoughtful, uh, attentive reader. Because I feel like I read stuff, but then it just flies out of my brain. And I was like, oh, that's sort of, did that did that happen in that book? So my hope is this way I'll be a better reader, but also I can write blog posts as well. Right. Touching. Um, that's cool. Yeah. I. You know what I actually started doing? I actually started taking notes as well. And some of the book that I really wanted to sort of retain uh, a lot mm. of the information on. I quote unquote read a lot of my books through Audible, so I listen to my books, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so what I've been noticing is that a lot of times I do really, I go through a lot more books, but at the same time, because of the speed that I go through them, mm-hmm. I retain less of it unless I write down notes. As in, yeah, because it's easy just to let the let the book mm-hmm. carry on playing. Yeah, and you was like, "Oh, I'm sure I'll catch up in a minute," or like, <laughs> perhaps that part wasn't too important. I guess it's right. also difficult. It's more difficult to like skip back and just review something you've just listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, like, I do retain a lot more. I mean, I feel like I get the whole picture a lot quicker through mm, audiobooks. Well, it's um, this is how I came across Tim Ferriss today because mm. I know we are going to try and do a book club on this show and. I was like, you know what? I read quite slowly, and I had never thought about how to read. You know, like obviously I can read, but like the <laughs> actual, you know, like refining the action, like practicing getting faster and better at reading. Yeah, like I'd never even thought about that, and that's how I came across uh, Tim Ferriss talking about the PX method. I think it's called mm-hmm. the PX method. Um, we'll we'll link to it, uh, but the idea is that you can like practice reading faster and comprehending faster mm-hmm. uh, by uh, using a tracker and a pacer, which is just a fancy way of saying a pen to point to where you're reading, just to keep an idea of like a constant speed. So I'm going to try and practice, you know, reading uh, at a constant rate, and then you can move up and make it faster. Um, the other interesting thing he was talking about was using your peripheral vision. Like mm-hmm. your peripheral vision is really good, but the majority of readers just use they use like the the focal point. Yeah. Uh, so his technique would be you focus on the you you like use your central focus on the second word, and then use your peripheral vision on the side to pick up the first word of the sentence, and then the same at the end of the line, you stop moving your eyes at the second to last word and then you can use your peripheral vision to see the end of the line holy shit that and that idea is you can then move faster because you're you know your your eye Mm. muscles aren't actually moving along and so that becomes less fatiguing and you can be faster in reading so those two things combined can make you a faster reader because i was like oh my god if we've got to read a book well, we'll see how it goes, but potentially a book a week, we might not quite hit that mark. But I was like, I need to get faster at reading. So, yeah, that's how I came across Tim Ferriss today. 
So, for the power of habit. Uh, my review would be: uh, this book is equally interesting and infuriating. Like the the case studies they have are really interesting. For you, mm-hmm. like, as we detailed earlier, like seeing how this idea of uh, creating habits in people, and then it also goes into like the idea of a cue, a routine, a reward, and that's kind of the three steps of a habit. And then there's the craving, which kind of ties all three together. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is really interesting. But my my real issue is is the style, the style of writing. It's almost as if like someone had told Charles Duhigg that these case studies need to be more need to be made relatable. And so oh. like every single chapter opens with like a story about some random new person that's then like tangentially linked back to the business that we're in the case study <laughs> and it happens all the time it's so infuriating because like, then i started noticing it happening because it's because like and it's not even at the beginning of each chapter it's like at the beginning of each section in a chapter it has this habit oh, no. of like it kind of poses a question at the end of the sen- at the end of a end of a uh, section and then it like cuts to like an entirely new person in a whole new place and then you find out how that relates back to the question. <laughs> that just happens oh, every no. section. And you got to the point where I was like dreading getting to the end of a section because I'd be like, <laughs> oh my God, we're going to find out someone else. And so actually, I, I actually went through and then started making a note of like the opening sentences of, of like a few sections. <laughs> so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some out right now. Um, so here we go. In the fall of 1993... A man who would upend much of what we know about habits walked into a laboratory. One day in the early 1900s, a prominent prominent American executive named... It's late on a Sunday afternoon, November 17th, 1966. It's the summer of 2006, a 24-year-old graduate (laughs) named... On a blustery October day in 1987... When Michael felt his alarm clock went off at 6.30am on the morning of August 30th, 2006... The first time Travis Leach saw his father overdose, he was nine years old. The patient oh, was no. already unconscious when he was wheeled into the operating room of the Rhode Island <laughs> Hospital. In the summer of 2003, a promotion executive at Arista Records named... So yeah, it just got... <laughs> I was just so enraged by this. It's, it just was... It really, really detracted from the book. Um, so... Uh. So my review is I I wanted to like the book but I really want to rewrite it and like cut out and cut the page count by about 50%. <laughs> it's like uh it's like those bad Batman uh endings where like will Batman get out of this? <laughs> Tune in next time, right? It's just like you're sort of dreading it like oh that stupid voice is going to come on. <laughs> yeah, and like the like the actual part of the book that could be useful to you like the, where you learn about how to ap- apply the ideas of the book to changing your habits mm. is hidden away in like a 10-page appendix yeah. that's after the afterword. Like you get yeah. through most of the chapters, all the chapters are done, then you get an afterword, and then you get this like just 10-page appendix of like how... How to actually do it. You know, I do realize that um, a lot of these books are written that way. And I don't know if that's just like the formula that the editors like to not sort of give away the secret sauce until the end of it. But it was like the same thing for, um, I, I, I read spark this year, which is about like how exercise is totally beneficial for everything that you do. 
like memory mm. retention, um, sort of uh, creating new gray matter in the brain and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and it goes and goes with like anecdotes upon anecdotes of like how beneficial and how scientifically proven exercise is good for you. And then it's mm -hmm. sort of like hints at like what you need to do and like how much exercise you actually need to do. Mm, right and and none of that sort of appears until the end of it and it's like oh do it like 30 minutes of time like every day and blah 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 and that's <laughs> sort of in the appendix afterwards as well the editor's gone well you have to make this a book you have to get at least 300 pages right to make it you know worth 10 bucks or whatever so yes in summary interesting but infuriating <laughs> overall good book though i felt yeah it really is like it's yeah really interesting and there's is some good stuff in there about you know uh, how alcoholics anonymous mm -hmm. works or like some of the ideas what by how what is how alcoholics anonymous might work um, and like changing habits um yeah it's good there wasn't much about how to start a new habit though right um which is kind of something i was interested in in terms of like doing some stuff for you know being able to blog more or mm -hmm. change things you know um but yeah good book but beware the anecdotes so every two weeks uh we're gonna we're both gonna read a book for those two weeks and then we're gonna review it and chat about it and people can follow along uh the the interesting twist is that each time we shall alternate in choosing the book Ah. And the other person doesn't know what that book's going to be and has no say in it. Oh, wow, really? Oh. I think that's, isn't that, that's quite a good twist, right? Excellent, okay. Uh, we did flip a virtual coin earlier. <clears throat> right. Uh, so. from, on random.org, which is quite a cool website, actually, if you have some time <laughs> to spare. You can, it's, you can, like, choose the currency you want to flip. It's incredible. Excellent. Yeah, uh, I went with a dime. Um, uh, Sam won. So... For the book club, Sam, please reveal the inaugural book club's first book. All right. Because it obviously is first because it's inaugural. Yes. So you're not going <laughs> to yes. give a shit if it's like science fiction-y? No. Or fantasy -ish? No, no, no. That's, that's, that's the whole thing. You get complete control as the book king. Oh, this is brilliant. Fortnite. All right. So, okay. <laughs> but just remember, the other person chooses the book next time. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, is there going to be like a veto if you've already read it or will the person have to read it again? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, let's cross that bridge when we come to it. Okay. I guess. Yeah. So the first book is going to be uh, The Devil You Know by Mike Carey. I don't know that book and I don't know the author. So let me give you a brief synopsis. This is a book that I came across as sort of uh, a, a science fiction must read list. And this seemed interesting because um, I've never heard of the series and people okay. were raving about it. So I'll read you the summary as fast as possible. Felix Castor used to cast out demons for a living and London was his stomping ground. I'm sorry. His surname is Castor and he casts out spells. Yes. Okay. Castor. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Okay. Ah, shit. <laughs> you just pointed that out. <laughs> um, Wait, perhaps it's like a, it's a family trade. You know, like how, <laughs> right. how people have their last names or what their family trait is. Maybe we'll get to that when we actually read the book. Okay, It'll yes, all okay. be revealed. Sorry. Yes. Sorry, Sam, go ahead. Yes. But in a time when the supernatural realm is in upheaval and spilling over into the mundane world of the living, his skills are in renewed demand. With old debts to pay, 
Caster is left with no choice but to accept one final, well-paying assignment. A seemingly simple exorcism. Something tells me it won't be so simple. <laughs> I, look, I look forward to finding out how. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, great. Uh, I will order that from Amazon right now. With the wonder of one-click ordering. So are you going to get the physical book? Yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a physical book guy. Do you own a Kindle? I do. I though I couldn't tell you exactly where it is. It was a British Oster show the last time I used it. Yeah, I found it useful for like the self-published books. For like a long form, for like a 500-page novel, I would I get the paperback. Yeah, I think cool. one person made a, the point one time that looking down the spines of books, you kind of remember where you were and when you when you got the book whereas looking down your list of kindles that doesn't really rekindle any memories at all <laughs> rekindle yeah you know and I i'm think... kind of like oh my god that's so true and i've kind of grasped onto that romantic idea and i kind of love how you get the book and it's in pristine condition and then like mm-hmm. slowly as it travels with you in your bag and like it's bashed around it like, starts to get like a little bit torn up and i don't know it kind of goes on a journey with you but i may well be over romanticizing the whole thing <laughs> It gives you lots of like physical touch points as to like able to have you recall a lot more than just the story itself, but like mm. also the feelings that you had when you're reading certain passages. Mm. Um, and I think that's really important when you want to because you're spending a lot of time with it. Right. And so the more tactile things that you can have as sort of keystones to the story itself, I think is very useful. Yeah, when I listen to an audiobook, I don't really have those touch points to that story. I look forward to reading this. It does say right at the top, a spectacular novel. <laughs> spectacular novel, right there. So, you have read this before? I have not. Oh, okay. Oh, even better. Okay. Oh, for some reason, it felt like you hadn't read it. Okay, great. All right, well, we've been at this for nearly... It's going to be on two hours, so... Right. Sorry about taking you away from Forbidden Island. Doof, doof, doof. Waka, waka, waka. Wob.